0: Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. So the end of chapter four left off with the introduction to this new great high priest. And we're going to be spending some time with this. Actually, we're going to touch on Melchizedek a little bit today, but it's going to be further in detail in chapter seven. Uh, interesting character in the Bible we'll get into that in a second Uh, but ending chapter 4 we have seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our confession let us remember of this great high priest that we now have who has passed through the heavens one who's truly a mediator right the idea of the high priest was to be a mediator who was the, the first high priest it was who Aaron right so Aaron it was appointed to this place we see Moses often acting as the high priest I think he was supposed to be he kind of ducked out on this on what he was supposed to do but uh Moses is also involved he's mediating for his people he's standing between God and his people while they're in sin and God is working through this now now Jesus is so much greater right because he's passed through the heavens we have someone with dual citizenship here this is this is a big deal, right? Have you ever tried to figure out a culture? Maybe you go somewhere and you just don't know anything about the culture you're in. You're just like, what am I doing? We went to Albania and we're like, what is Albania? You know, like we showed up and it's like, uh, I I don't know. We don't know anything. We don't know what's going on. We don't know, and it's like this culture is so foreign from everything I've ever experienced before in my life. So what do you do? Trying to understand the culture. And the, the most valuable people on those kind of mission trips are translators. The translators are able to tell you what's going on and then to mediate for you with other people. You're like, you you're like, I'd like to buy some socks. We actually, our luggage got lost, so we had to buy uh, some personal items in Albania. So you're like, what am I doing here? And they're like oh that'll be however many i don't remember what even i think it was albanian lek was the uh you know currency of the day and if you know if you deal with other currencies it's kind of wild you're like that'll be four million lek and you're like oh my gosh i only brought 200 bucks in cash you know well that that actually is two dollars okay you guys got to scale the system man this is ridiculous you know it wasn't that bad but you there are places like that you're like what So you need it, we need somebody that can do both, that can speak to both. And so Jesus passing through the heavens is our great high priest. Now, this is what's also so cool about Jesus, because he was God and yet man without sin. We don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with our weaknesses. We're gonna get more into this in a second. But was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He experienced it all. Every form of temptation, outward temptation. I don't think he had the same inward giving in thing that we have but i think he was i mean if there was a temptation it was thrown at him with like uh tenacity i mean it was a big deal to get him to fall you know high profile leaders a lot of times are there's there's a specific kind of warfare on their lives Uh, could you imagine jesus because you know satan knows exactly who he is so he's he's been tempted in every single way yet without sin Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need so that's where we're coming into this as come boldly because what what do we receive grace and mercy and help in our time of need how good is that that's what our good high priest brings to us so let's talk more about the high priest verse 1 of chapter 5. for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to god that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin the high priest re- represented the people before the lord right uh sin would be confessed you know, a lot of times there'd be a head on the a- hand on the animal sins would be confessed the animal would be sacrificed there was a real price paid for sin but these were the mediators this is how god set up a mediator right and it was ordered there was absolutely with or ordered but it was among men Could God have used an angelic being? Absolutely. Right? He could have. If we look back at when we're studying angelology or when we're studying angels, they are amazing creatures. And they're incredible. They're so strong. So gnarly. And it seems like even in Revelation that it's like one angel who locks up Satan. So it's like perspective. Right? Sometimes you think, oh, it's God and Satan. Do a duke in it out for the ages. And you're like, no, (laughs) no. He speaks and it's, that's it. That's a wrap. So we have angels, but no, God chooses man. Why? Why does God choose man to do what? Both offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. Well, it tells us in verse two, he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness because Of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sin. This is because you need someone who has compassion and understanding, sympathy. I get it. I too am in the same boat, right? That's why everyone in this room, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners saved by grace, and we know it. We can deny it, but we really know it. We know there's something wrong. We know that we're like, there's some there's something messed up in there. We know we need something from the outside to help us. And when we're honest with that, then we are able to be cleansed, but we're also able to help one another be cleansed. That's what the priest gets to do. So now we get to take on, the, in a sense, the form of that same type of ambassadors of God in everywhere that we go. We're kingdom priests and ambassadors. Jesus is our great high priest who's done the great work Of taking on all the sin and his blood covering all of our sin and then freeing us to make us new in him awesome news great news incredible news and now we get to be ambassadors alongside of him and how do we do it with with holding our own selves real lightly (laughs) recognizing we need the same kind of compassion and sympathy because what do these priests need to do they would go to God with the sins of the people, and they would go to God with the sins of themselves. That's the first place we start, because it's really easy to, to know the sins of the other people. It's, that's so easy to tell. You, you could tell me everything that's wrong with society right now, couldn't you? <coughs> I just moved to water. That was here. Thank you wife. <clears throat> that was wild <clears throat> still going all right here we go we 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 come to to this the the lord with the same kind of thing though. we recognize we need his help right how good would the high priest be if he didn't confess his own sins he'd be dead meat he wouldn't be alive and so we come to people in the same kind of place. okay let me ask you this and this, this makes sense i think everybody probably how much do you like having politicians who've never lived in the real world i mean think think about it these people represent us and if they don't know the life we live they don't experience the life we live how are they supposed to represent us here's the answer they don't they don't so they live in a different world with a different mindset and different thinking they don't see it like we see it so what are they out to do take care of themselves they believe a narrative in their head by the way we're really good at building narratives in our head we're really good at believing things that are not so right especially because we love to give ourselves grace but we don't want to give it to anybody else so we recognize we need compassion We need sympathy and then we get to give that as well. So as much as we would love to see someone that is for us, representing us, we as the church have to remember this is our position that we have before we go out before people. Jesus, in a sense, understands sympathy and compassion. He knows what we're going through and and he's the one who did it right. I mean, don't you just kind of love when you, when everyone fails at something and you do well and you like kind of pass it maybe. And then you just, just kind of like, you're not feeling super sympathetic, though. You're feeling pretty elite. Like, I beat everyone at that. It's pretty simple, even though it wasn't simple. You're just like, I barely made it through that. I don't know how I did, you know. Whatever it might be. Oh, yeah, that wasn't too bad, you know. It's kind of front. But that doesn't do us any good. The way we, we want to come before people is we all have this place of like, Jesus didn't do that. He was the one that nailed it. He was without sin, but yet he was moved by sympathy and compassion towards people because he knew that they were hurting and they were struggling. And he knew the weight that was on them and he understood the real draw of sin. So if you're sitting in here and you're like, I'm under that, I'm feeling like a real draw and I can't seem to get away from sin, understand we have a great and compassionate high priest who gets it, is praying for you, and is telling you you have access to get something that you need. You you, you can't do it alone. I can change your heart. I can transform your life if you trust me, if you obey me, if you choose to follow me, if you repent, your heart is changed and your direction is changed. I will help you. And then we, as the church say, we really get it we absolutely get it. I, I, I when I first got involved in youth ministry, that was like the one thing I was trying I would just try to do because I I didn't like I didn't like the church thing. I didn't like what it felt like when you went to church. It was like a judgment thing felt like. And maybe it was probably just me because maybe I was under that feeling or whatever. But as everybody looked at you like mm. Oh yeah listen to that music, oh, you do that, oh, you look like that, oh, you're with those people, oh, that sort of a thing, right? It's like, I hate that. So when I got saved and my life was changed by the grace of God and through the gospel, what was my response? I wanted everyone to know that that was not the way it was. And so I I would take these kids and I would be like, dude, I get it, man. And they're like, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. It's like, I get it. I, believe me, I get it. I know what you're talking about. And, and what's wild is the more that you would meet people in that place, the more they would show up, the more they would want to be around you, and the more they would start confessing, which got pretty gnarly. You're like, whoa, okay. I didn't know about that. But I understand the basic principle. I, I, I've told the story before. I've, there was a couple times where I'd say, you, you won't shock me. I've heard it all. And there was a couple kids who, di- who did shock me. They did shock me, and I hadn't heard it all. And now I don't think I'll ever say I've heard it all again because you're like, wow, okay, let's pray. (laughs) Let's go to God with that one, you know? But the idea is not like that you've done everything or gone through everything everyone else does or whatever, or, or that you need to, but you're very much in touch with the fact that you're not the salvation of the world. You need a savior. And people are desperate to find people who are like that. So we have a great high priest and then we get to be ambassadors of that to the world. I think this is really important. And I think a lot of times we'll even see, like, pastors, they'll have, like, a testimony that's super gnarly, but they, it's easy to forget. I, I, I think there's times where I've felt like, man, I'm out of touch with, like, real, like, what I was. We were working through the podcast, and you're, like, telling your old stories, and you're, like, oh, my gosh. And you start realizing, like, whoa, okay. There was, like, some stuff there. And it was like, whoa, whoa, there was more there than I remember, oh, whoa. And it kind of brings you back to relying on the grace of God and the idea, it makes it really approachable. People wanna hear this, they wanna be around this. Jesus brought brings this to the table, we do too. God chose to use man, why? Because man is gonna, at their very best, gives the glory to God. As soon as they try to take it, it the whole thing falls apart, which is is actually a blessing. Right, because if we if if God doesn't allow the things that we try to do on our own to fall apart, man, bad news. Right? It's like the Tower of Babel. We're we're gonna go circumvent the whole system. We're gonna build a tower to heaven, which is so ridiculous anyway. God's like, you guys are foolish. And so what does He do? He springs in confusion. And what does confusion do? It makes you start guessing things, wondering things again. Like what is. What am I doing? Wait, I was so sure of myself and where I was going. That's the first step to like actually being revealed or like God being revealed to you and your heart being revealed to what it is. Because remember, we needed a new heart. In the old covenant, it was not possible. They were only looking forward to that. Jesus is the one that gives us the new heart. And out of our heart now springs like the well springs of life. It's not just like a heart that's like kind of better. It's, it's a heart that's full of life that gives life. So everywhere you go, you actually give life instead of death. And you don't think people notice, they notice. What's wild is you don't have to say that much. I mean, you should too, but like, it's it, there's something really obvious about it. And when you meet people where they're at without like a weird thing, they, they want to know more. What is this? Why, because you're an ambassador. You literally like, you're carrying it. Like as an American, when you go to another country, you don't have to tell anyone you're an American. They know the way you walk around, the way you do everything you do, they just know, right? And and I remember like, I know too, because we were in in Rome and it was like, I I haven't spoken English with anyone outside of our team in a long time. And all of a sudden you see someone, you're like, oh, What's up, where are you from? Oklahoma, never been. We're like tight though, how close are you guys? Like whoa, like 1,500 miles away, like super close. You know, like all of a sudden, like you're my homie, I get you, let's go, you know? Normally it'd be like, someone from Oklahoma. I know, what do you guys do? Just kidding, I'm kidding. If you're from Oklahoma, God bless you. But the idea is that we see each other and we recognize each other There's a difference. And people around us notice the difference as well. They get it. There's something about it. And it's because we've been redeemed by the great high priest. Now we have been given as heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ. We're now given the same thing where we're walking around as priests, as as priests to the temple, right? The temple of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Everywhere we go, we bring the kingdom. Talked about this a lot. Um, so, and no man takes this honor to himself, but he was called by God just as Aaron was. No, here's, here's something we really got to understand. The high priest, it it was like, it was not like you could just apply to be a high priest. You couldn't go, is monster.com, is that still a thing where you can apply for jobs? Probably. Is it not? I don't know. You can't go on Craigslist and say, I'd like to be a high priest. Like you couldn't have done that back in the day. Well, what was required to be a high priest? You had to be of the line of what? Levi, of that family, of Aaron. ironic, right? So you had, to, you had to be part of both. It wasn't just for anybody. You, not anyone could do it. And we see there's some real dangers for those who try to... And you had to be the oldest too. You had to be the oldest male in the family. These rules were serious. There was no other way around it. And so that what's interesting about that is we think we can get to God however we want. He says, no, I already gave you a high priest and you can't do it any way you want. I was interviewing Greg O'Pean, who was a missionary in Eastern Europe and Hungary. And they had like, um, just an incredible ministry We we're, were I was doing the whole interview on, um, basically like how did you set up your team? What did God do? And it, I was so encouraged because it's just miracle after miracle. But one of the things he said that is really interesting about Hungary is the idea of community is something they just understand no problem. They don't have, not everyone has a car in the family, maybe one car. He says, that, but that's not really, they take like, everyone takes at least six weeks of vacation. They, they don't live to work, they work to live. And then at, when they're home, When they're off work or whatever, they are always in coffee shops sitting down outside. It's community. They're they're built for community. And so he says it's a lot more it's a lot similar to or closer to you know what we would see in the early church. That's what they're they get. He says, but one of the things that was hard there is something that Americans have that they don't, is they don't believe they can win or do anything they've lost like every war they've been in somehow they're a country still they like seriously like I remember we were doing the history before we were going there like they've lost they've every time they've chosen the wrong side like so you know like whatever they choose maybe do the other you know that sort of a thing but they just lost every they just constantly lose and so they don't have a can-do attitude they have a defeatist attitude we're Americans we could do whatever we want we're entrepreneurs we will make a way, just give me a shot, I'll do it. There's some great advantages to that. This is why a lot of the uh, missionaries from America have gone and done crazy ventures of faith, so awesome. Here's where that falls apart though, where we say, oh, that's the way to get to God, I'll figure out another way. See the high priest, there was only one high priest in that, in, in that spot and it was really, really important that he was completely right in the line in the lineage Couldn't mess around. Don't be bringing strange fire. Don't be messing, what's gonna end up happening? So it's the same thing where we look to Jesus and we go, oh, cool, Jesus seems like a pretty cool guy, but I think I could figure out another way. Absolutely not. A merciful and a gracious high priest, yes, but the only way, the only way. There was no other way. There is no other way. And so if we even were to go back to the old priest that that's the old is gone there is no, nothing there and even now today no they're not sacrificing animals you know it's, it's like it's kind of become a thing where it's like uh i i think god will know that i I've, I've got a pretty good heart i've done more good things than bad things man how does that work out so we got to understand that it was god who called aaron it was god who placed Jesus in that position. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, a couple quotes, Psalm two, you are my son, today I've begotten you. Psalm 110, Uh, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. God set this up and it was the way to salvation. You know what? They were so pumped to be able to have a way to meet with God. To have God in the camp, to have his presence among them, to be leading them by fire and cloud, to 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 be with them in battle, the Lord mighty in battle to be defeating armies much bigger than them god was in the camp the high priest was a huge blessing because he could go before the before god and and have his own sins cleansed and then the sins of the people cleansed and uh, it would be the sins they knew they did and also the sins they didn't know they did they all had to be atoned for so there's this day of atonement where it was all dealt with man beautiful right we've got such a better path now this was a shadow now we're living in the reality of it, but there is no other way. Let's not think of Jesus as some like, you know, hippie who's kind of like, well, you're cool, you're good, man. You're, you're, you know, whatever. It's like absolutely full of grace and mercy. Always quick to meet the sinner in, and meet them in their time of need and love on them and bring them. But the idea is now leave it behind and come with me. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. You There is no other way. So Nicodemus, how can a man be born again? It's like, he says, you gotta be born again. How, how do you, how do I get to you? What, what, what are we supposed to do? You gotta be born again, new creation. This is the way, this is how it's done. Verse seven, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, again, Jesus was called while in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications and vehement cries. He was was dealing with serious stuff. This is part of understanding what he had to go through. So yeah, we think about the temptations he had to go through. Think about the radical sufferings he had to go through. And what's happening in the Hebrews? They're dealing with a little bit of suffering. They're dealing with a little bit of persecution. And Jesus understands that too. I mean, he's to the point where he's sweating great drops of blood and he's crying out to God like, man, if there's a way. But he knew he was still full of obedience to know what he was supposed to do. He, is an amb- he was an ambassador and he was called to represent with a purpose. Again, like an international ambassador, we need them to be able to go and speak on our behalf. You know, as as one that would go out and speak on the behalf of us, that, that knows us and knows where we're coming from and our value, what we're all about. This is Jesus. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Though he was a son, though he was the son of the living God, though he was God, you know, second person of the Trinity, he learned obedience. How did Jesus have to learn anything? because he never suffered like this, right? In the setting as a man, he came as a man, he'd humbled himself to become like man. And then he suffered and then he died the death that was like the most, like the worst kind of death you could die. And it was like disgraced and everyone's mocking him, brutal. And, And it's not just suffering the emotional part of it, he's suffering actual literal pain He's being beaten and flogged. He's feeling it all. We don't want to hear that, right? But what does he say? He learns obedience by the things which he suffered. Those in you who have suffered, if you, if you trusted in God and not ran away, what happens? There's something about that, isn't there? There, Because everything in you wants to just, I'm out. And how, what does out look like? Well, let's get out of the situation as fast as possible run right or self-medicate or who knows there's all kinds of stuff we could do escape i just gotta escape this i gotta get away from this i gotta do di- and and you know there's a whole medical industry that it that is made to so where you don't have to suffer or feel anything ever at any time and there's a part to this where god really works things out in suffering there's something about that as a, as a as an ambassador of it we've got to understand that in some sense to be able to relate to people and meet with people to know what they're going through I mean who in here has been uh encouraged by someone who's gone through what you're going through now talking to you about it everybody right when you, someone comes to you and they go man I know I I I, this is the situation I've experienced. This is something I've had to go through. And it sounds kind of similar. So this, this you know, whatever, here's what I've learned. Here's what God did. This is what God showed me. This is where he met me, in that place. Man, there's, that is powerful. That is so powerful because our stories are all way too similar, right? There, there's no one in here that isn't, doesn't have their families marred by sin. Marred by abuse, right? Marred by uh, you know substance abuse, by who knows what bad relationships, by selfish thinking, and 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 families built on stuff that doesn't matter, stuff that has no value. We're all in this together, but as a family, as a community, we get to minister to one another in this place, and we get to encourage one another as they're suffering. Like you're doing this well. You're doing this well, like we were with you on this. And, and what's interesting is, especially cause we have, live in a world of influence and affluence, we, we can do things that n- normally people couldn't. We can escape in ways that n- was never a, an option before. And so we think it's helping and in some sense it helps. I mean, gosh, you don't wanna go through every, I'm not saying don't take medicine. I'm not saying like, you know, tough out the toothache or whatever, you know, like, but I'm saying there's something about numbing out when you know God's doing something through a season. There was an interview I heard by Randy Alcorn. We were some of you got it. I think Tori sent it. But it was uh, when he was talking with Sean McDowell, and Randy Alcorn said that his wife was dying of cancer, and she saw the cancer as a tool from God in some sense, to to be used in some weird way of glory. And you're like what? I can't say that, nor do I want to say that, but a woman who has it can it's when she sees God moving in the midst of it all anyway. And and of course, Randy's like the heaven guy. So he's just like, he's like she's partying, man, or she's about to be like, you know, the new heaven, new earth. I can't wait, I'm gonna, we're gonna be hanging out. We're gonna, you know, so he's like all excited about, he's got heaven on his brain anyway. But there's something about like that, being able to sit in that mix. Man, cause I'll tell you what, once you start running, you don't stop running from pain. Because you only have to get stronger and stronger. This, this is the drug epidemic, is it not? Well, this kind of killed it, now I gotta go deeper. Now I gotta go deeper, now I gotta go deeper. And and we talk to people, we get to talk to people a lot about this. You it, You have to go harder and harder and harder and you're getting more and more removed from society and you don't even realize what's happening around you. It's gnarly, right? But to allow God to be in the mix. And so, Lord, what are you doing in this season? That's Paul. He. It doesn't mean you don't ask for it to go away. I asked the Lord many times, you know, like, Lord, let this cup pass for me. I don't wanna do, or not this cup pass for me, take away this affliction, remove this affliction from me. And what does he say? My grace is sufficient. Strengths made perfect in weakness. Paul's a pretty intense guy. He needed that. I think he needed that to just be like, have some grace and compassion for people. Because if you see him in action, think about this. Paul who like was Saul and they're like, I don't even know if this guy should be around us. He was like a terrorist to Christians and everyone doesn't really want to let him in. And then finally, some of the guys were like, no, come on, Barnabas, like, come on, let him in, let him in. And then he meets with the other guys, and they're like, right, he can be part of it. And then all of a sudden he's like, Peter, I'm withstanding you to your face. And it's like, whoa, bro, you're intense, man. You just got in here and you're throwing over tables. Right? And he was he was right about it, but he was definitely intense. He needed this, and he recognized whatever that thorn in the flesh was, it was an important thing for him to grow into godliness. And so we have to ask ourselves why are we on this earth? What is the purpose? To have an easy, peaceful, you know, perfectly cultivated life, or to bring Christ everywhere we go. Sometimes that means going through suffering. Sometimes that means going through hard things. The wild thing is is even while we're on this earth, a lot of times we are able to see the fruit of going through those seasons. And you look back and I've talked to so many of you and I've experienced it for myself. Some of the hardest seasons of your life are the ones that you look back on and go, I needed that season in my life. I could not have, Seen God like that, I could not have understood how He answers prayers. I could not have felt the nearness of God in that season if I wouldn't have gone through it through it myself. So we can't short circuit the process. So he learned obedience by the by the things which he suffered. Verse 9 and having been perfected. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Uh, the author. The author means he created it. He He's the one that led the way. He's the, the pathfinder. He's the, he went through, he trailblazer. Jesus is the one that authored that. At having become perfected, he became complete and perfected in beating sin and death. We often talk about the death part, beating sin and death. He conquered sin and death. And now he's on the other side. He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now look at, what does it say? Eternal salvation to all who obey him. What was the issue with those who didn't enter into the promised land, the promised rest? Disobedience, unbelief, you know, unbelief. Unbelief or disobedience. They listen and they do. What's the reference, the next thing he's talking about? The Word of God, that's sharper than a two-edged sword. What do we know, how do we know what God's saying? He says it in His Word. How do we respond to it? That's our answer. Hey, look, we're all gonna slip up, you know? We're all gonna mess up, but we gotta come back to the realization that if, if, if there's a disagreement between the Word of God and me, the problem is me. It's, I'm the problem, not it. That's that's the thing. So we enter into the rest through this place of obedience, which is putting ourselves in faith, allegiance, subjection to God. What do you wanna do? What do you wanna do with my life? Not what do I wanna do, what do you wanna do? And then offering that place. Because you know what, when it's all about you, it is exhausting. When it, when all you're trying to do is, is save yourself and keep yourself in that place, it is so exhausting, isn't it? Like, I mean, just even to try and have a really good weekend is exhausting. This, like, for, like your birthday, how many people struggle to know even what to do on your birthday? Is there anybody here? You're just like, oh, I've gotta make this the best day of my life. And I, I, I have so many decisions to make right now. I have so many decisions to make. I'm not gonna make any of them yet. And all of a sudden it's 3.30 and you haven't made a decision. And you're like, this birthday sucks. man. It's because you didn't do anything. This is your, this is on you. This is your problem, you know? Why, why are you doing this? Am I the only one? Maybe, I don't know. But I remember I used to always think like, I'd be like, oh, if we gotta just make it perfect and everything's gotta be, well, then it's gotta be, and it's like, <sighs> you never, you just gotta do something, man, do something. Let's just go do something, go eat, do something. You're never gonna sit there and figure the whole thing out. I'm gonna figure out the perfect, whatever. It's, it's exhausting. And it's exhausting to anyone else around you, right? Especially if you have like say a child or something that's wanting a perfect day and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I am not gonna be able to give you that. (laughs) I will only be able to give you what I can give you the best I can. So we're, we walk with this idea of like, man, if I'm trying to hold it all together, even on the best case scenario, when all the cards align and everyone's going with whatever I wanna do, it's exhausting submit ourselves to God, we we have this, I mean, there's such a cool feeling of, this is yours, God. Man, it doesn't look good, but I'm, you know, I, I seriously feel like the freest moments I've ever had in my life were in the, in the gnarliest storms where I all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, you can't do anything. You are done. You have nothing else you can possibly do or give at this point. You're done. And it's like, really? What a relief! Because I thought I was going to blow it, <laughs> and there's like a, there's a weird feeling of submission. Has anyone experienced this before, where you just go, "Oh wow, all right, God, this is all of a sudden you're like, this is your problem to fix. I, I'm out of resources. I've called everything, everyone I could call. I've drum, tried to drum up everything I could do. It's all yours. It's yours now. You got to do it. And then to watch him do it what a trip. And you go, wow. Of course, the season to get to that point is usually pretty rough because usually it takes us a long time to actually give up or say uncle, so to speak, right? When you're like a kid. You'd be like, give up, give up. You know, your hand on their neck. Ah, no, never. You know, I'll never give up. Yes, you will. You know, someone's going to pass out or they're going to tap. That was like my, my high school years was people had just learned the sleeper hold or the rear naked choke people were dropping like flies in my in the locker rooms you know what were we thinking right it's like all of a sudden someone jumps on someone's back and they're like tapping and they're like nope boom you dropped he'll wake up wonder what just happened to his brain you know but it, it gets us to that place where we have to say no i tap that's what suffering does god you're god i'm not because we are idol-making machines. We're so good at making idols. We're so good at figuring out better ways. We're so good at saying, God, cool, cool, well done. Got it from here. And he's like, oh, you really don't. So being perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. That's that's a sign, right? <laughs> since you've become dull of hearing. Melchizedek, so this is a a, a priesthood that's uh, whoops, superseded, it was before the uh, Levitical uh, Aaronic priesthood. Why? Melchizedek, uh, Abraham submitted himself to Melchizedek, the King of Salem. And this is a really, this will be a fun thing to kind of talk about. But Melchizedek was before all these. So Jesus, was Jesus in the line of Levi? Was he a, a Levite? Or in the line of Aaron, no. What was he? What tribe was he from? Judah. And so go, how can you be the high priest? Well, it's because this is a high priest that supersedes the law. This is above and beyond. And what, what's so interesting about Melchizedek is he refreshes Abraham, right? Or he meets with Abraham and he's got uh, bread and wine, right? <laughs> and Abraham gives him a tenth what he has. It's like, what? This will be fun. We're going to get into this. But this is like a different type of priesthood. This is a different type of, it's a different thing. It's bigger, better. It's before. So we'll get into more of that. It's interesting, even like, we're called to be compassionate, just like Jesus is. We're called to receive that. I think it's actually really important. First, we receive sympathy and compassion from God. And recognize that. Because otherwise we take ourselves too seriously. We think we've got to have it figured out. And while I've been walking with the Lord long enough, I, I, I shouldn't need grace like this anymore. We will need grace the rest of our lives. And a community that understands that and lives in that is a beautiful place to be. One where everyone acts like they don't need it anymore is like a, a weird pharisaical spirit that we do not want. We're gonna to need to live in grace in for ourselves with one another. So we're gonna be constantly going back to the Lord, right? So we need to be compassionate and, and, and have people on our hearts. One of the things that the high priest would wear, there's a whole, if you look at Exodus chapter 28, it's all the priestly garments, but there's, there's something that he wears from the shoulders, off the ephod, and it's the 12, there's the stones engraved with the 12 tribes of Israel near the heart, close to this heart. God never stopped doing what he was doing from the beginning. And I think heaven, what we'll call eternal heaven, new heaven, new earth, is going to be the full fulfillment. What's already started with Jesus. So God wants us not to just be lone rangers, but to bring one another with us with compassion because we care about each other. And we, we understand those sympathies and weaknesses and we go to God with it. And we say, hey, look, I know you're struggling. I know you're, you're sinning. I know all these different things. Let's go to God with it. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you, and God bless.